Okay, this morning we have another opportunity to celebrate a first. As a new church, just over a year old, we have celebrated many firsts and we love each one of them. This time the first is is that we are excited about, beginning in January, partnering with our first missionary. And he is here today. His name is Jim Wine with his beautiful wife, Janet Wine. They're over here on the corner. Let me just quickly say a few things. They've been here before, so you may have met them. And if you don't know who they are, two of their sons actually attend here. Jason Wine, the guy leading the music up front, is one of his sons. And then Jordan Wine in the back, who oversees all of our audio and video uh, projects and technical stuff. So, I've known the Wine family for over 10 years. They are very, very dear to me. And actually a great part of even me making the decision to go into full-time ministry. This morning what they're going to do is Jim's going to come and he's going to preach the word. He's going to open the word of God with us. And he's going he's to explain to you why he would walk away from a very good job, a certain retirement, leave his beautiful home, take his wife and the, rem- the remainder of his family that are still at home, and go to a foreign country, and not to the, the wealthy part of that country, but to the poor part of the country, so poor that it makes our poor look well off. And especially at his age. Why in the world would somebody do such things? And he is an example of what I've been talking about for the last two weeks. He has eschatological faith, beloved. He is living for that better country. He is seeking it out. And he is hoping that he can take as many people as possible there with him through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, dear brother, would you come and and open the word of God with us and share about your ministry in the future? Would you welcome him, please? Thank you, Jeremy, so much. Ali, we appreciate you all so much. Summit. So good to be back with you. We experience such joy every time we're here, just looking at you. We meet people we've seen before. We meet new people every time. What a blessing. Praise the Lord for you. I'm still trying to get over that last song. Wow. That is my heart's desire, is Jesus Christ. Without Him, I am nothing, I have nothing, and there's nothing else I want. Last Sunday, we were in a different state. We were not in California, worshiping with another church. And what a thought to know there's millions of people all over the globe worshiping Christ on Sunday. Isn't that neat? Jesus Christ has his body, those who love him, and we love to worship. That's why we're here. Well, I would like you to to imagine with me this morning... An empty lot, an empty lot in the city. Dirt, no concrete, no vegetation. Not a big lot, just a small little lot in the city, ready for construction. And I'd like you to imagine that you already own a house. You own a couple cars. You own some clothing, maybe some jewelry. And you go and observe this lot, and you're so struck with this little dirt lot that you go back to your family and say, hey, you go back to your family and say, dear family, I want to buy a dirt lot. And in fact, I know, I've done the math here, if we sell our home, sell our cars, sell all our extra clothing and all our jewelry, we'll just have enough money to buy that empty lot. 
What do you think the response from the family would be? <laughs> Dad, you're crazy. Hurry, let's get him committed before he has us get rid of all of our stuff. Well, the secret is, okay, imagine that there's actually a treasure buried in that dirt lot worth $10 million, okay? Now how insane would it be? Would that be insanity or the deal of a lifetime? You know what? Where the treasure is totally changes your perspective, doesn't it? What is your focus? What is your treasure? We are going to Argentina, Lord willing, as Jeremy indicated. In this book, there's a road map to the treasure. Now, I may be preaching a little bit this morning. That's hard to resist. But mainly it's sharing. I'm going to share with you what I have learned about the treasure map in this book. The road map to this treasure. All right, shall we go through that together? Now, first, I want you to grab your Bibles. Because I want to show you God's design for the joy of nations. That basically is the treasure. God has a wonderful design. And it's for all the nations to come to Him in amazing joy. And I'm going to start off by showing you a couple bookends. So if you turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, and then I'll have you turn to the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 5. So turn to Genesis chapter 12. Sorry, I don't have a page number for you this morning. And I'll just read you the first three verses. And then keep, keep your finger there and we'll go to Revelation. Okay? So now you can tell we're all the way right at the very beginning of this big, thick book. Genesis 12, first three verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great... Uh, and your kindred and your father's house and, okay, to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now notice this verse. This is an amazing verse. This is a big one. You can come back to this again in the future. Notice what God says to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God says something here right at the beginning of the Bible. He says, Abraham, in you all the families will be blessed. They will be enriched. They will receive a treasure. They will get joy. They will be happy through you, Abraham. Isn't that interesting? Now, in this passage, he doesn't say how. He doesn't say when. He just says it will happen. Notice, it's unconditional as well. He just says it will happen. Okay? Keep your finger there, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 5. And notice how this is all the way, this is the last book of the Bible. As you're turning to verse 9, I'm going to set the scene for you. This book talks about something that hasn't happened yet, something that's future. The scene is in heaven. And in heaven, Jesus Christ, called the Lamb, is about ready to take the scroll, the ownership, to planet earth. And at this point, there'll be saints in heaven and they're going to sing a song of worship to Christ, to Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at just one phrase out of that wonderful worship song. And it's in verse 9, uh, verse nine of chapter 5. And they all the saints in heaven, sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. 
For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see any connection between those two passages? Genesis and Revelation. There is a connection. It's all people and all nations. The promise first occurred way back in Genesis, and then the realization of it is depicted in Revelation. Now notice how much of your Bible is in between. Pinch that thick part. You know what? God's design for the joy of nations is all over the Bible. I'm just going to mention a couple other verses. Psalms 117, verse 1. Hopefully we can get that on your screen. It says, Praise the Lord all nations. Extol Him all peoples. Do I need to do something? Feedback check. Now who is praising the Lord here? How many nations? All of them. See, this isn't very hard stuff to understand, is it? God promised all the nations would be blessed, and now here it comes out again. All nations. Look at 1 Chronicles 16 in verse uh, 23 and 24. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. There's a, a, a passage also in Luke that many of you know. You've heard it on the Charlie Brown Christmas. Remember those uh, shepherds that were greatly afraid when the angels suddenly burst out? You and I'd be afraid too, wouldn't we? Shepherds out in the field, the angels suddenly burst forth shouting praise and joy to God. And notice what the angel said to the shepherds. Luke 2.10, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. You know what? It's the same story. All along, from cover to cover. What does God want? God wants, God's design is for all the nations to have overwhelming joy. That's what God wants. That is the first road mark on this treasure path, this road map to the treasure that we seek. There's no doubt about it. In the Bible, God's plan, God's mission is for the world, every nation, to be overwhelmed with the joy of knowing Him. But I want you to notice something else. In God's design, is that God's mission is absolutely assured. God's mission is, is going to happen. Period. And I've got a few verses. I'm going to go through them quickly. We already mentioned Revelation 5, verse 9, but let's read it again. Because I want you to notice that this is future. This is prophecy. This is a depiction of what's actually going to happen. Who sang this new song? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransom people for God. It's the people from every tribe and language and people and nation. All over the place. It is going to happen. Now, I have heard people say, this promise is an excuse to do nothing. In other words, if God promises this is going to happen, maybe we should just relax and chill. What do you think? Is that logical? I say that's abominable. I say it's ridiculous. I say that's really a sign of unbelief and hardness of heart. I got a description of this, the, uh, not the hard-heartedness, but the joyful sharing part. Um, the other day, or a couple years ago, we planted a boysenberry bush. And this is how we did it. We got a cutting of a boysenberry bush from a friend. It was a stick about six inches long. He went out 
and he got his cutters and he hacked off a piece of his boysenberry bush and he gave it. It's like, here you go, here's a present for you. A dead-looking, thorny stick like that. We took that, didn't we? You kids remember. We took that stick and by faith, we stuck it in the sandy ground. We put it in the worst ground that we had in our property. And then we watered it. And I was amazed, but that stick grew. It actually sprouted. It shot vines out all over the place. And sometime after that, it uh, sprouted flowers. And then big, fat, purple boysenberries grew from those flowers. And one day I, came, I was taking the trash outside, dumped the trash, and I looked over at the vine. There was a big, plump boysenberry. Well, I immediately came back in the house. I told her daughter, Jessica. Do you remember that? I said, Jessica, there's a big, fat boysenberry out there on that vine. And she said, Woohoo! That's great. And she got a bowl and took off, ready to harvest those boysenberries. Now, it's a simple story, but here's the lesson. Jesse knew for a fact that there was a big, ripe boysenberry there, right? It was out there. It was on the bush. But it wasn't yet on the dining table. You see that? She had to go get it. The assurance that there's actually ripe fruit out there didn't discourage her at all. In fact, she was motivated to get up and go outside and collect that fruit. You know, it's, it's neat to know God has a mission that's absolutely clear. God wants His joy to spread across the nations like a flood. But the fact that it's actually going to happen, that that fruit is going to pop, that His vine is healthy, is so exciting to us, we just want to say, let's go get it. Right? It isn't our design, it's His design. God's mission is amazingly apparent. It is clear. God wants people all over the world to come to Him and worship Him. And God's mission is absolutely assured. It's going to happen. He is determined it's going to happen. Fruit from every nation, from every people, from every language is going to be there surrounding His throne and worshiping and praising Him. And, but third, I want you to know uh, regarding God's design for the joy of nations, that His mission is unalterably assigned. Unalterably assigned. What is that? What am I talking about? Okay, I've got to backtrack a little bit and, just, and tell you about this word mission. If you look in a concordance, most of you will not find the word mission in the Bible. Did you know that? Mission and missionary, I can't find them. That exact word. Well, what is going on with that? If, if God's design is to reach the world, why aren't missionaries in the Bible? Well, it's, it's very simple. It has to do with language. When the Bible talks about being sent, and that word is in the Bible, in a very old version of the Bible written in Latin called the Latin Vulgate, the word for sent is the word Missiono, mission, I can't speak Latin, that's obvious. Missionem. So our word for missionary just comes from the Latin. And the word means to be sent, to be put on assignment, to, given a job, to be given a job to do. That's what it is. So the concept of missionary is all over the Bible. So God's mission is assigned. Okay. So what is the assignment? May I show you? Did you know Jesus Christ did not invent His assignment? He received it. And I want to show you the verse. That verse is in Isaiah 49, verse 6. You can turn there or it will be shown on the screen. Isaiah verse 49. I'm sorry, chapter 49, verse 6. This is a famous verse about Messiah. And this is God the Father Talking to Messiah, that would be Jesus Christ. He says, 
Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Judah and to bring back the preserved ones of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is a description of Jesus Christ, Messiah, getting His assignment from God the Father. Jesus got His assignment from God the Father. You can look it up later. Jesus in His prayer in John seventeen eighteen says, Father, as You sent Me, I now send them. Hear that word send. Send means like if I send my son to go get some ice creams for our movie time, he faithfully executes that command. God sent Jesus Christ to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, did Jesus do that, by the way? Did He bring salvation to the ends of the earth? Think on that. We'll come back to that one. But the fact is, Jesus got an assignment from God the Father. And at Christmas time, Jesus became the first most fabulous missionary of his type on planet Earth. Christmas is a missionary activity and the celebration of it. Okay, now let's turn to Acts 26, 16 to 17, or look at it on the screen. I want you to see this is one example of Jesus passing the assignment on to the Apostle Paul. So in Acts 26, verses 16, this is Paul recounting Jesus' words to him. Jesus tells Paul, But rise up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have, to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So Jesus had an assignment from Father, and He gave it to Paul. Paul was sent out by Christ. Paul was a missionary. That's what that word means, to be sent, a sent one. Now, what about us? Has somehow... This assignment been passed to us. Hmm, what do you think? Well, it has. And there's many passages I can turn to, but the one I, I like for you this morning is written by the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. This is Paul, the guy that got his assignment from Christ. Look at what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now Paul's talking to anyone in Christ. That's the audience. Anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Whoa. Do you see it? Do you get it? Okay. Here's what, here's what the Bible teaches. God has this amazing plan. His design from the beginning of the book to the end is that the joy of knowing Him and worshiping Him would flood the world. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. And that mission is absolutely assured by God. It's going to happen. 
And to make it happen, God assigned Messiah with the job, with the task. Then Messiah assigned that job to His disciples. And among them, the Apostle Paul. And then the Bible makes it clear that assignment is passed to every person in Christ. Every believer in Christ receives that assignment to make that word of reconciliation, that good news, known to everybody else. To be an ambassador, a representative, as it were, a missionary. Amazing, isn't it? We are here today. Get this. This, is, this blows your mind. We, you, are here today because God has determined He's going to get people into heaven. And you're here to carry that out. Isn't that amazing? But God, I thought, I thought it was me that woke up this morning and decided to come to church. In a sense, yeah. But in a sense, maybe we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in us both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. Our God is amazing and His design is incredible. Hey, I want to also share with you God's design for us, for the wine family in Argentina. And I say God's design because this is not anything to do with Jim and Janet and John Adam and Jesse. This is our project together. And I say our family and our family as a church. This is what God is working out. How do we know God is leading us to Argentina? Well, it's, a, it's very similar to how do you know your spouse was the right one to marry? How do you know that? How do you know your job is the right job? How do you know your career is the career God wants you to be in? How do you know you're living in the town God wants you to live in? For us, it has been a journey. And it began with a prayer of faith. And simply put, the prayer went something like this. God, in light of who we know you to be, in light of everything you are and what you have done for us, our heart's desire is to follow you wherever that is and wherever the cost. Because we know you will give us the strength to follow you. Pretty simple, huh? Janet and I prayed that prayer together back in 1988 on our knees alone in our bedroom. When we started discovering what I'm sharing with you, that God has this amazing design. He has it. He is resolute on accomplishing it. He is going to accomplish it. And it's been passed down to the church. We had no idea at all where we were going to end up, how we were going to get there, how long it would take or anything. All we knew was, God, You are awesome. We want to follow You. Whatever the cost, wherever it takes, that's where we want to go. So it began with a prayer of faith. And then God just led us step by step. He allowed us to go to Argentina for a short-term trips. We got to meet the people down there. We got to be part of a church that was excited about partnering with people in Argentina. We came back up here. We got involved in outreach. Many of you here have been involved with outreach with us. We got to share Christ in various ways in our community, in schools, and in neighborhoods. I was called to be a pastor of outreach at Foothill Bible Church. And now God's opened us to us the door to go to Argentina. You know what? We have learned that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Have you heard that before? 
You can sh- we can maybe show that on the screen. It comes from Hebrews 11.6. I want you to soak on this. Because the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. The Bible says, if you, whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. Reward. Does that sound like a treasure? It is. You know what? This is all about seeking that treasure. Seeking something that's so valuable. You have to have it. I spoke of that dirt lot earlier. That lot covered in dirt. That empty plot of ground with nothing on it. You know, that's scriptural also. Got another verse from me from Matthew thirteen forty four. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, Hey, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That is simply the Christian life. You know what? We don't do it out of obligation, do we? We don't do it because someone's twisting our arm or because we read it in a self-help book or because we want to get rich or anything like that. We know something is so incredible. We have to have it. And there's nothing we wouldn't sell. There's no link to which we wouldn't go to have that treasure. Now, I believe with all my heart that there are hundreds of people in Argentina that are so ripe that if they could just hear the good news, they would come to Christ with open arms, wrap their arms around Him by faith, and treasure Him for all eternity. I believe that. And that belief drives us every day. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a settled belief in my heart. No one can convince me otherwise. There's no statistician. There's no professor. There's no nothing that can convince me otherwise. I believe it. And because I believe it, because I believe it, and we believe it, we have to go. Now the fun thing is, the exciting thing, is we don't have any idea the specifics of how God's going to work that out. It's like driving in the fog right now for us. It is stepping out in faith. It's like jumping off a platform into your father's arms and you can't see the bottom. You're trusting in him. It is exciting, no doubt about it, and more than a little scary. But it's a step of faith. And we know that has to stay that way. As long as we're down there in Argentina, God's design will be we walk by faith. We'll never, ever be able to please Him without a walk of faith. Isn't that interesting? And I know you're the same. You cannot please God ever unless you're walking by faith. What is faith? Faith is what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you really believe? Not what are you going through the motions on or what you hope to believe someday. What do you actually believe? You believe. You need to walk according to what you believe. And when that belief is God's Word, you really believe that and you act that way, Almighty God is pleased. That's amazing. Okay, so God's design for us The wines is to walk by faith. But also, you need to know our mission is to preach the Word of God. God has designed a mission for us and it's not to do what we think is right. Oh yeah, I've been to college. I've been to this program. I've been to training. We're going to language school. In January, we'll be going to Texas for language school. The root at bottom, the basic issue is we need to preach God's Word. Let me show you why. 
Romans 10.17, coming up on the screen. Look at what the Word of God says. Make a note of this one. This is a big one. We want to see people come to faith in God, right? Absolutely we do. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Well, how do you get faith? How does faith come about in people? This verse says it so clearly. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Hey, you know what? Nothing is going to happen in Argentina or Fontana unless the Word of God is spoken. Faith is not nourished by common sense or human wisdom or political intrigue or any of that stuff or economic prosperity. Faith comes about by the preaching and teaching and reading and studying and meditating and chewing and loving of God's Word. So we know what our mission is. Our mission is to hold up this, this book, this treasure, to preach the Word of God. Also, just real quick, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Notice this promise from God. God says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth. Is that true? When the rain comes down, does the earth get wet? Like every time, right? The rain hits. <laughs> Wetness. That's the analogy. Making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Notice, God says, that's the same way. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Wow, how would you not want to preach God's Word when you've got a promise like that from Almighty God backing it up? In Galatians 3, 13-14, look at what the Word says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. How did He do that? On the cross, right? He became a curse for us on the cross. So He redeemed us from the curse we were under. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now notice verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Whoa! What is that blessing of Abraham? Didn't we talk about that at the beginning? What is that blessing of Abraham? That the whole world would be blessed through Him, that all the nations of the world would receive this joy, this incredible happiness that comes, that God wants them to have. So here in the New Testament, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. A Gentile is simply someone who's not a Jew. Everyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile, according to the Bible. So the Bible says, through Christ, that blessing that God talked about way at the beginning of the Bible comes even to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Through faith again. How does that keep coming up? Okay. So God's design for the wine family is to continue to walk by faith and to preach the Word of God so that faith will be ignited in the hearts of all those people that God has prepared, those ripe boysenberries, as if you if you will. And then third, our mission is to plant churches. That's God's design for us. We have been to Argentina a number of times. I've been down there eight times. And I recall one of the last times I was down, Terry Cook, and I, your own Terry Cook and I, were walking around seeking to follow up with people. Do you remember that, Terry? And that itself was an amazing thing. People would express faith in Christ and then we wanted to meet them after so we could share more with them from God's Word. And that was critically important to us 
because we didn't want them just to be stranded, to be alone, like a baby with no bottle to feed them. Not a good idea. Well, we came home, and then on a return trip, I got to go meet some of those people, and a few of those dear people that had come to faith had never been contacted by the local church. And that was heartbreaking. That was heartrending. Because that is not God's design. Let me show you a verse that's more in line with God's design from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Apostle Paul says, regarding this little church in Thessalonica, he tells them, so being affectionately desirous of you, yeah, I can relate to that. That's how I feel about the Argentine folk. Being affectionately desirous of you, Thessalonians, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. That is a really hard thing to do 7,000 miles away. The heart of a missionary is to be there, laboring and toiling and nurturing and pouring into the people. And the, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. That's our heart. That's what we want to do. We long to be there. We feel that disconnect already because we're not there. We love those people. We want to see God bear fruit in those dear people. And so we have to actually be there on site to share with them. To plant churches. What is a church? It's a group of Christians who get together regularly and love one another like a family and get into God's Word and study it so they can encourage and minister to one another, right? So they can proclaim Christ in their community and worship Him forever and ever and ever. You know what a church is. That's God's plan. Okay, so a quick review. God has this amazing design for the whole planet. And He has a design for the wine family, we believe. His design for the nations is totally clear from the Bible. God wants and will have people from every people group worshiping Him in heaven. And since that's going to happen, He has assigned His people to actually make that happen. That's us in partnership in the body of Christ. And in our day, right now, people are being sent out by God through the church to reach His people. We are just one of those families that's going. And praise the Lord, you, Summit Bible Church, are going to partner with us in that. That is awesome. Isn't God amazing what He does? Who would have thought? We didn't, did we? We had no clue. We just want to praise and thank the Lord. We are so excited to be going to language school. Who would have thought a 55-year-old guy would be excited to go learn Spanish? But I am. I can hardly wait. In this case, I'm going to be a college student again. This is an adult language program. But instead of just me, I'm going to have my beautiful wife in class with me. And my two kids. John, Adam, and Jessica. All four of us as students together. How can something like that happen? Is that not too good? So we will live together. We will uh, be in an apartment together on campus. We'll start class and have class every day from 8 to 12 noon. We'll each have an hour of tutoring for one hour a day. And then we'll have three to five hours of homework in the evening. And we'll just do that Monday through Friday. January to May, and then August to December. So this whole next year, the four of us will have our brains rewritten and squeezed on. So pray for us. We're excited. But I want to invite you also to the partnership of prayer. 
I always knew that missionaries craved prayer. I could, I could see it. And when I would meet with them, they would tell us. And they would just beg for prayer. However, I couldn't appreciate it until now, right now. Here's the thing. We know ourselves pretty well. And we know we are nothing. In fact, our greatest gift is to mess things up. That's our greatest talent. And I'm the chief in my family. I just, I have a knack of doing things wrong, of saying the wrong thing, of ignoring the right thing. And now we're going to Argentina to be missionaries. That is scary. (laughs) You know what? Nothing is going to happen if the saints of God are not on their knees praying for us. We just, we beg you, please pray for us. Please take us before the throne of God. Say something like, Dear Lord, I don't know what the wines are doing today, but I do know they're likely to just foul it up, everything you have planned for them. God, would you just intervene and protect them? Give them patience and love. Give them a heart for your word. Give them a love for other people. Help them to make it through the day faithfully. We need you. We're desperate in needing you to pray for us. But also, you know what? In Buenos Aires, it's both a province and a city. In the city, there's about four and a half million people. In the province, there's about 15 million people. It's roughly the size of L.A. County. We're going to a a people group. It's about 4 million poor people south of Buenos Aires, the nice city, down in the province. About 4 million. Those people need Christ. They have very few churches and almost no gospel preachers. We've met many, many people that have never even heard why Jesus Christ gave His life. They have heard that He did, but they don't know why. They thought maybe He died as an example that we should follow. What? That's not right. They think that. No, He he gave His life for you to take your punishment. They don't know that. They've never heard it. And there's no way that we are going to by ourselves share the gospel with four million people. But here's what I have seen. If six or eight or ten people come from the United States or come from outside, even on a short-term basis, you can speak to dozens, if not hundreds of people sharing the good news. And then that allows the people who remain to faithfully follow up and visit and shepherd and pastor. Think about coming to Argentina. Pray about that. And also, think about some of you, okay, some of you coming to Argentina for a longer period of time. Maybe, you're, maybe it's a stage in your life where you can come for a year. It's cheap. The food's cheap as well. <laughs> the accommodations are cheap. But you can come. Think about it. Some of you at a stage in your life, come for a year. Does God open that door for you? And help help us work in the ministry. What a blessed time that would be. Okay, let's close it this way. Dearly beloved, God has for each of us an amazing treasure And He's provided a road map to get to that treasure. The treasure is that people from every tribe and tongue and nation all over this globe would rise up to be faithful followers and worshipers of our majestic Lord, Jesus Christ. And that's going to happen. This mission's going to happen. Period! It's going to happen. That treasure, we need to embrace it. We need to believe it. And embrace it. There's nothing in the news. There's nothing in the LA Times. 
There's nothing on, on Wikipedia that's going to help you embrace that. You embrace that by faith in the promise of God's Word. You treasure that in your heart. You love that vision. That's God's vision. That's God's mission for planet Earth. And then you think about how you are going to buy that field. Okay? You don't have to go to Argentina. That's not the point. The point is you need to walk by faith. You need to embrace that. You need to start seeking that barren dirt lot that God is showing you to buy. It might be, for example, it might be the barren dirt lot of inviting someone to church at Christmas time. Because in your mind you're thinking, they would, they would never come. No, no, that's the barren part, right? That's, yeah, they wouldn't come. There's nothing on that. That's just dirt. They would never accept my invitation. But see, you don't know that. Step out in faith. Invite them. How about the, how about the, the act of faith of handing them a gospel tract? Right? Or how about the act of faith of getting up an hour earlier so you can read your Bible? No, that couldn't happen. I can't even wake up that time of day. Right. But this is faith, right? This is faith in what God's going to do. What is the field God wants you to buy? Please think about that. If you're ready to buy that field... I'm going to close with a short prayer. But pray this prayer. I call this the risk taker's prayer. This is a prayer of faith. It's a shortened version of what Janet and I prayed. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we believe Your Word. Because we believe it, we want to be part of this incredible mission to reach planet Earth. Because we know that's Your heart and You've never wavered from it. So God, make us a part of it. And as many, Lord, right here today as want to pray this prayer, would you allow them to pray with me in their heart, silently in their heart. Dear Lord, my answer is yes to you. Now, God, what is the question? Dear Lord, my answer is yes to you. Now, God, what is your question? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.